Hi, everyone, and welcome to a Light Unto My Path podcast. I am your host, Howard Sides. Today, we're continuing our study through the book of Revelation. Uh, we're continuing our breakdown of chapter 16 today. Uh, we are going to look at verses 17 through 21. If you want to turn to that section of scripture, and we'll read that in a second. Uh, to break down the chapter uh, section by section, um, the first part of chapter 16 is actually by itself in verse 1. That is, the judgment is commanded. The judgment is commanded. And the second section is verses 2 through 9, where we see the judgment commenced. The judgment commenced. And then the final section is uh, verses 10 through 21, where we see the judgment is completed. The judgment is completed. Now, within that section... Uh, it breaks down as, uh, let's see, verses 10 through 11, the dominions of the beast ravished, the dominions of the beast ravished, verses 12 through 16, the directives of the battle released, and then verses uh, 17 through 21, where we'll be today, we'll see the uh, destruction of Babylon, Babylon realized, <coughs> excuse me, still dealing with Tongue, t tongue twisters, <laughs> or maybe I'm creating them, I don't know. Uh, but today, uh, the destruction of Babylon realized. All right, so let's uh, read our portion of Scripture here, verse 17 through 21, Revelation chapter 16. And the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air, and there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne, saying, It is done. And there were voices and thunders and lightnings, and there was a great earthquake, such as was not since men were upon the earth, so mighty an earthquake and so great. <clears throat> and the great city was divided into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell, and great Babylon came in remembrance before God to give unto her the cup of the wine of the fierceness of his wrath. And every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. And there fell upon men a great hail out of heaven, every stone about the weight of a talent. And men blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, for the plague thereof was exceeding great. Now the one thing that stands out as I read that um, is, as we've mentioned it as we go through this chapter, of all the book of Revelation, uh, this has to be the the climax chapter, if you will. Uh, if if you ask most people about the book of Revelation, the one prominent thought that everyone will come up with that they know something about or have heard about uh, or have talked about is this verse 16, basically the, the battle of Armageddon, although it's worded wrong. There is no battle at Armageddon. Armageddon's where they gathered, and then the troops moved down to uh, this valley of decisions where the actual uh, destruction takes place, uh, two-thirds of the army, and then the others destroyed by Jesus uh, right outside the city limits of Jerusalem against Gog or this uh, uh, the Assyrian, which we talked about in the last episode. Uh, so here we move into verse six, uh, 17 through 21, and, and this is where... Um, we've seen levels of destruction with the breaking of the seals and the sounding of the trumpets 
and so far the six vials that are poured out, uh, which you, you see the intensity ramp, ramping up. But here in this section, um, it, it's, it's like the lid comes off. I mean, we see this thundering and lightning, and there was a great earthquake like there's never been. Uh, how do you rate that? Uh, how would you rank it? How big do you think it's going to be? Well, we know that the the Richter scale that they measure measure earthquakes by, um, as far as I know, it goes up to 10. Uh, I think the most powerful has been a 9 point something. Not not even sure what it is. Uh What's the intensity of this one? Is it going to be a 10? Is it going to be a 12? Could there possibly be a 20? Uh, look at look at what it says in verse 20. And every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. Um, islands are going to sink below the water. Mountains are going to be leveled. Uh, how great of an earthquake is it going to have to be to do something of that magnitude? And and, and not only that, uh, look, nature itself, I mean, the great city, which we'll get into that, um, divided into three parts um and and then and then man is attacked verse 21 the hail falls on it uh, uh, on man and then there's this great plague that falls on man uh, it this to me is is the the climax of the ver of chapter 16 when this destruction takes place so so let's get into it and break it down um and, and see what's going on here um, this section that we're in, verse 17 through 21, is broken up into two parts. Uh, verse 17 is the first part by itself. That is the voice that precedes the destruction. The voice that precedes the destruction. And then 18 through 21 describes the violence that precipitates the judgment of Babylon. Uh, the violence that precipitates the destruction of Babylon. So, uh, and then that's broken up in this part. Well, let, let's get into it, okay? Verse 17. And the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air. Okay, this is the final emblem of judgment from God. We've seen seven seals. Uh, we've seen seven trumpets. And then we see the vials or the bowls. This is the seventh vial or the seventh bowl. This, so this is the final event associated with the final judgment. This is it. This is wrapping it all up. Um, this is to be the most severe and devastating judgment of the entire period of the tribulation. Uh, Clarence, Clarence, uh, Clarence Larkin, again, trying to fight this tongue tying. Clarence Larkin makes note that, quote, at the breaking of the seventh seal and the sounding of the seventh trumpet and the pouring out of the seventh vial, that the same things occur. That is, voices and thunderings are heard, great lightning is seen, and there is a great earthquake. And at the sounding of the seventh trumpet and the pouring out of the seventh vial, there is a great hailstorm. This only confirms what has been already stated that the seventh seal includes the trumpets and vials, and that the seventh trumpet includes the vials, and that what happens during the seventh seal and the seventh trumpet and the seventh vial all refer to the same period, the end of the week. In other words, the opening of the seventh seal reveals the events that are about to happen. The blast of the seventh trumpet announces the events as forthcoming, and the outpouring of the seventh vial executes them. End quote. All right, so notice this bowl is poured out 
as scripture says, into the air. It's not poured onto the earth, but it says it's poured out into the air. Now, air here is the Greek word air. <laughs> air, air. That's A-E-R. A-E-R, which means to breathe or the atmosphere. So uh, it's not poured out in space. It's poured out in the atmosphere around earth. It's poured out right above us. Uh, Ephesians 2, 2 says, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Now, since chapter 12, which is the mark of the middle of the tribulation, and that, that's the three and a half year period, the tribulation as a whole is seven years. The first three and a half are part of the tribulation, but then at the second half is called the great tribulation, and that's the ramping up of these judgments. But since chapter 12, the middle of the tribulation, Satan and his demon host have been restricted to the earth, which includes our atmosphere. This final judgment, while affecting the earth, is dominantly targeting Satan's domain and area of rule, including the atmosphere. Uh, Henry Melville, a priest in the Church of England in the 1800s, writing on satanic influence in this passage, says, and I quote, We are not hereby taught that the devils dwell in the air, though that also may be the meaning, but rather that he has at his disposal the power of the air, so that he can employ this element in his operations on mankind. And we know of no reason why the power of the devil should be regarded as confined to what we are wont to call spiritual agency, so as never to be employed in the production of physical evil. Uh, why the souls and not also the bodies of men should be considered as objects of his attack. Indeed, for as much as the soul is the nobler part of man, the more precious and dignified, it would be strange if this alone were exposed to his attack and the body were altogether exempt. We believe, therefore, that Satan may have a great deal to do with those pains and sicknesses which so abound in the world. It is certainly the representation of Scripture that Satan has much to do with afflicting diseases of the body. The woman who had, quote, a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed together, or bowed together, bowed together, uh, what said Christ of her when the ruler of the synagogue was indignant at her being made whole on the Sabbath day? Ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these eighteen years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? Again, we know not exactly what that thorn in the flesh was from which St. Paul suffered. But the expression uh, makes it seem probable that it was some acute bodily pain or some oppressive infirmity. And the apostle distinctly calls it a messenger of Satan sent to buffet him. Do we not seem warranted in inferring from these intimations that Satan is greatly concerned in bringing maladies uh, on men's bodies? And if this be once allowed, we may enter into the meaning of the title, the prince of the power of the air. We are accustomed, and as it would seem with much accuracy, to refer to certain states of the air as producing certain diseases of the body. Without being able precisely to trace the connection or investigate the cause, we consider that the atmosphere is frequently impregnated with disease and sickness so that we may be said to inhale death whilst inhaling what is essential. <laughs> 
to life. Thus, we virtually suppose the power of the heir to be a power over health and over life, and therefore that he who possesses that power, and this St. Paul says is the devil, must be one who is greatly instrumental in the inflicting disease. If you add to this that many of the worst calamities as well as sicknesses with which men are visited may be traced to the air, you have the materials from which to show that it is assigning to the devil an awful dominion to give him the sovereignty of the air. Again, we remind you that we are fully aware that Satan can do nothing except as he is permitted by God. We can, only, we can speak only of the power which he can wield when the permission has been granted. Uh, never can I hear of a land which is laid waste by plague, and never can I hear of the rushing of the tornado, passing over fertile plains and leaving them a desert, without the most startling apprehensions of the fearfulness of the enemy who can use this element as his engine, and without also feeling how justly uh, may the final triumph of good over evil be associated with some great deed that should be wrought in the air, even according to the representation of our text. And the seventh angel poured out his vial into the air, and there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne, saying, It is done. There is nothing more mysterious with our present faculties and capacities than those secret influences to which we are undeniably subjected influences which employ no visible, tangible instrumentality, but whose sphere is at once the inner man, and which can make themselves felt, though we know not how they enter into that hidden world which each bears within himself. We are not, however, concerned with more than the fact that the spirit of evil, as well as the spirit of good, has access to our minds and can bring itself into such association and intimacy with us as to act by and through our own thoughts and feelings. Assuming this fact, it is our business to endeavor to show that our spiritual adversary, as the adversary of our souls, may fitly be described as inhabiting the air. In order to this, we would remind you that whatever is visionary and unstable, whatever is a mere delusion and cheat, this we are accustomed to connect with the air so that we describe as aerial what we find to be unsubstantial or deceptive. It has undoubtedly been through the putting a cheat on man that the devil from the first has effected his destruction. His endeavor has been too often successful, successful and has been to prevail on man to substitute an imaginary good for a real, the creature for the creator and to mock their own capacities for happiness by seeking it in the finite and the perishable. If it be by what we shall call a series of optical deceptions that he acts on our race, distorting one thing and magnifying another, and throwing a false coloring on a third, how is he proceeding, to by, how is he proceeding but so as to avail himself of those strange properties of the air whence spring such phenomena as that of the Egyptian morass, or oasis, the weary traveler being cheered with the appearance of the blue waters of a lake, on whose margins green trees are waving, but finding as he approaches that there is only the hot sand and no drop of water wherewith to cool his tongue. 
If again, it be by crowding the field of view with witching but uh, uh, substantial forms, with gorgeous thrones and splendid pageants, which sweep before the mind and beckon onward to disappointment, if it be thus that Satan retains, undisputed, his dominion over thousands, what can he be truly said to employ so much as the power of the air, weaving those brilliant phantoms which have seemed to hurry to and fro, as though hurrying from cloud to cloud, and causing those strange delusions which have startled the peasant, and made him think the glens into which he was entering tenanted by shadowy and mysterious beings. In short, if it be that Satan tries to deceive mankind by the un inconstant and unsubstantial, if the ambitious and the voluptuous and the avarice be all and each pursuing a beckoning shadow, if the whole apparatus by which the world is lulled into moral slumber or roused to self-destruction be made up of the mere imagery of happiness, could any description be more apposite than one which represents the devil as lord of that element in which floats the meteor, and through which glides the specter, and out of which can be formed nothing that we can grasp? Though it may be the vehicle of a thousand deceptions arrayed in beautiful array, we take this subject of discourse because we desire, by every possible means, and by all varieties of illustration, to make you aware of the powers, and put you on your guard against the malice of the devil. We are indeed well aware that it is not the devil who destroys man. It must be man who destroys himself. The devil can do nothing against us except as we afford him opportunity, yielding ourselves to his suggestions and allowing him to lead us captive at his will. But it may at length come to pass, if we persist in walking as children of disobedience, that we quite expel from our breasts the Spirit of God, whose strivings have been resisted, and whose admonitions have been despised, and enthroned in, him st in his stead that spirit of evil, whose longing and whose labor it is to make us share his own ruin. And then is there as clear a demonical possession as when the man was cast into the fire or water through the fearful energies of the indwelling fiend. Every sin which you willfully commit helps forward the great design of the devil, the design of ob uh, obtaining such hold on you that he may claim you as his own, and when a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are in peace. Luke eleven twenty one, end quote. Uh, now that's a uh, a portion by Henry Melville, uh, who lived from seventeen ninety eight to eighteen seventy one. He was a priest in the Church of England. Uh, that was quite a bit of information there, about two whole pages of how he tries to explain uh, if the if the devil has this dominion and what this dominion is and how it can, how it can affect us. And we know today uh, many of the diseases we face in the world are airborne, as we call it. They're, they're carried through oxygen. They're carried through the atmosphere. Um, and many of these um, diseases we face, they're, they're of Satan. But of course, he cannot implement that thing unless God wills it. That's just, I know, a lot to that. That's what, what it says. Um, 
And, and even thinking about how important the air is to us, even military forces themselves recognize uh, the importance of control over the air and space, which has been the determining factor in many battles. Uh, control of the air allows you uh, the freedom to attack forces on the ground without using forces on the ground. It saves a lot of lives. Um, hence, uh, the move of our current military forces to use drones, uh, smart bombs, uh, tomahawk missiles, and things of that nature to attack an enemy from far off to preserve as many troops as we can uh, as far as the human element uh, is concerned. All right. So, uh, the next portion of scripture here, it says, And there came a great voice out of the temple of heaven from the throne. A great voice. Great here is the Greek word megas. Megas. M-E-G-A-S. And that word simply means big, exceedingly great, high, large, loud, and mighty. Now, this word great is used 11 times in this chapter, with seven of those in verses 17 through 21 describing this last bolt another group of seven, describing this last bolt. There is, first of all, a great voice, verse 17. There is, second, a great earthquake in verse 18. Uh, there's also uh, the third one, uh, the phrase, so great, verse 18 again. Uh, verse 19 also has two. The fourth one is uh, great city, and the fifth is great Babylon. And then verse 21 as the last two, the sixth one being great hell, <clears throat> excuse me, and then the final one is exceeding great. And the sevenfold usage of this word great indicates uh, to us the unprecedented nature and finality of these judgments, as well as how perfectly they accomplish the end of God's program of judgment. Uh, the next thing to note here is, is the use of this word in the phrase, a great voice. Grace, uh, voice here is the Greek word, phone. And it's spelled like we know in the English word, phone. It's P-H-O-N-E, phone. Uh, it means a disclosure, a unique tone, an address. So this voice comes directly out of the throne of heaven indicating this is God's own personal voice or that of Christ himself. My personal opinion, fitting the phrase that is said, it is done, I do believe it will be the voice of Jesus Christ. He has said that, and, and now he says it again. Now, now the uh, occurring thought or concurring thought with that, that, that could be the other view of this, is that once Christ has said it, it is done when he died on the cross, here, God says it is judge, uh, done when, when it, the judgment upon the earth is done. So <laughs> you could look at it either way. I don't know. It doesn't say who it is, um, but I do believe it is either God, the Father, or it is Christ himself who say this. <clears throat> um, now, uh, in reference to that, John chapter 5, verse 27, it says, For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself, and hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. So we know that Christ has the authority to say this and to execute these judgments. And second of all, note the very next two verses says, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming 
in the which all that are in the, in the graves shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. Okay, so uh, this passage of scripture here uh, could be used to argue that since Christ has the authority to judge and his voice will resurrect the saved as well as the unsaved, then this description is of the same voice. So I guess you could lean more towards Christ saying this, uh, but it, it's interesting that it, it could be God the Father. Uh, but as of yet, um, as I'm thinking about it, this book deals with, with we say, God dealing with the Jewish nation. But from the very beginning, it's all about Christ. It's a revelation of Christ. Uh, most of the events taking place in here uh, are things that Christ is in control of. Uh, think of the breaking of the seven seals. It, it, remember right at the start, so who's worthy to open the seven seals? And, and only Christ is worthy to open the seven seals. Uh, who destroys this army in Armageddon? Well, it is Christ. Um, so it seems fitting that he is the one <clears throat> who would say it. Okay? Um, but if somebody were to argue, no, it's got to be God the Father, I, you know, it could be. I, I don't have enough to definely say, no, it is Christ. It can't be God. It very well could be. All right. Also, it is interesting to note that this temple that it refers to is seen at the end of each of the three series of judgments. Um, with the seals, it's talked about in Revelation chapter 8, verses 1 through 5. Uh, at the end of the trumpets, uh, it is Revelation chapter 11 and verse 19. And then, of course, the vials or the bowls here in verse 17. Now, this temple uh, will be seen no more because in the new heaven, there will be no temple. Revelation 21 and verse 3 tells us, And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, <laughs> again, a great voice, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. And they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And that, reading that passage, it reminds me of what God told Moses uh, when he instructed him on building the tabernacle. Um, this is what it's all about. God wants to be with his people. And with the separation of sin and all that, he couldn't be uniquely with them. There had to be the separation. Uh, but at the same time, he could be with them by being inside this tabernacle. <clears throat> all right. Uh, the next phrase here, it says, saying, it is done. And this word done in the Greek is the word genomai. Uh, genomai. G-I-N-O-M-A-I. Which means to cause to be, or to become, or to bring to pass, or to finish. This refers to an action that is not just simply ended, but was ended appropriately and with results to follow. This reminds us of a previous moment in history when Christ uttered a similar statement. It is finished in John chapter 19 and verse 30. <clears throat> Excuse me. Here, Christ had borne our iniquities and his substitutionary work was complete. He has been judged for our sins. He was also saying that God's work of reconciliation uh, if you don't really know what that word means or if it doesn't break uh, easily into whatever language you speak, uh, that's basically where God makes us holy again. That's Christ's blood 
makes us holy so that we can have communion, we can have association with God. That's why Christ was needed. So reconciliation means basically um, putting us back in our perfect state or back in our holy state, that, that sort of thing. <clears throat> Excuse me. So uh, repeating that statement, uh, he was also saying that God's work of reconciliation was accomplished and all man had to do was personally believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. If one rejects the work, then he is under God's wrath, which must be accomplished. As the author of Hebrews asks in chapter 2 of ver and verse 3, How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? All right. So that completes the uh, first section here, the destruction of Babylon realized. Um, verse 17 is, okay, well, uh, <laughs> I read the wrong one. Uh, verse 17 is the voice that precedes the destruction of Babylon. Uh, so now verses 18 through 21 is the violence that precipitates the judgment of Babylon. So you got the voice that precedes the destruction, then you got the violence that precipitates the judgment. Okay, uh, it's been 30 minutes so far in this podcast, and uh, this next section is a little bit longer, so I, I believe we'll take a break here and stop this podcast, and we'll just start another one. I'm, I'm only limited to one hour anyway, so I, I think that's a little bit too long. I try not to go that long. I try to keep it in 30-minute segments, uh, so you can uh, listen on your way to work or on the way home, or maybe some of you have longer distance, but anyway, you can keep, it's better to hear it that way, okay? All right, so once again, I want to thank you for joining. Uh, I certainly hope you're uh, learning. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. A little stopped up with sinus and everything today. Um, but but again, thank you for listening, uh, and, and I encourage you, uh, don't take my word for it. Read read the Bible. Uh, let the Spirit lead you. Uh, study the word for yourself. Um, it's not going to be me that has to answer for whether you're saved or not. It's going to have to be you. So that, that's why we teach. That's why we study. Uh, and, and that's why we learn. Uh, that's what the Holy Spirit is for. Uh, he is our own teacher. Okay. So, um, in that instance, I, I still appreciate that you do listen. Uh, and I hope you do gain something out of it. Okay. Uh, so once again, I'll ask that you remember to pray for me. Um, pray for each other. Pray Certainly pray for your local church. Uh, pray for a country. Pray for a country. We're going to fix, uh, but I sincerely believe that uh, as God is in control and that things are not out of his command, uh, I believe that we're, we're close to the precipice. We're, we're close to uh, this whole period of the tribulation beginning. Uh, I think we're, this, this New Testament church is about to be raptured out of here any day now. Okay. All right. So uh, God bless you and thank you for listening and hopefully you'll join me on the next podcast. Thank you.